listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries, brought to you by thebatmanuniverse.net. Join the staff of the Batman Universe as we watch another exciting incarnation of the Cape Crusader from his extensive media library. Again, to the Batman Universe commentaries, and for this episode, this is a bit of a uh, uh, gear shift in terms of how we usually record these or what we've been doing lately. We're going to begin talking about episodes from the anime series Batman Beyond. My name is Donovan, and today I'm joined by. This is Melinda. Surprise! Yes, and um, this is the first entry in our commentaries for the Batman Beyond anime series, um, which obviously we're going to start with the two-part season premiere Rebirth. Um, Batman Beyond, also known, I know it's known pretty much everywhere that's not America as Batman of the Future. Uh, it, it's definitely, it's one of those shows where, unlike Batman, Superman, and, and the Justice League, isn't really based off anything specifically from the comics. This was a new property, uh, that the, the animators from the original anime series decided to do, or kind of forced into doing. There's a big story behind that. But before we get into the series and the episode Rebirth itself, Melinda! Uh, this is your first foray into at least com- doing commentaries with me, and I believe in getting ready for this episode, you said you've not seen a lot of Batman Beyond. Do you have anything you want to say before we kind of get into this, or any thoughts into the series uh, from your perspective? Um, well, that is actually very true. I've not seen any Batman Beyond, uh, with the exception of The Return of the Joker, which my friend made me sit down and watch right as I was starting to get into comics. Um, oh. That was a few years ago now. Um, so, yes, I have not seen any Batman Beyond, but I've always heard really, really great things about this series. And everybody seems wildly happy whenever mentions of Terry McGinnis show up anywhere else. So there's got to be a reason for that popularity. So I'm extremely curious as to what this series will bring. Did you ever come across any, like, because they've, they've since in the last couple of years made Batman Beyond its own comic book and like kind of like, you know, use it in sort of the future of the DC universe. Have you ever come across those or just, uh, did you just completely divorced from any knowledge of it? Uh, I don't know if divorced would be the right term. Um, trial separation for sure. Because <laughs> I, I, well, I did read the first story arc, um, or maybe not, maybe it was just a mini series. Um, Hush Beyond. I oh think. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I read that one, and I was very sad about it. Um, I forget what happened. So I, I, I feel like Dick Grayson was a villain in it, and I mean, you know my feelings on Dick Grayson. He can pretty much do no wrong. So, <laughs> um, so I was not hugely enthralled with it, but I also understood, you know, that it was everybody's favorite comic creator, Adam Beechin, who did it. (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't take it too much to heart. And I'm really trying not to let what I read there influence my feelings on this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I, there was one issue of Batman. I want to say it was the 700 issue, maybe. Right. I think that didn't have like a, go ahead. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I, 
I th- I'm trying to remember. There was a story in 700 where it involved it involved Damien, I believe, as Batman in one of those random yeah. stories. Yeah, and um, I think he saved, he ended up saving Terry McGinnis. Right, as a baby? Yeah, it was something along those lines. Because um, it was it was told in like multiple generations, mm-hmm. um, and it, and I really enjoyed the story, and I was kind of like Terry McGinnis. Why does that name sound so familiar? And then of course it hit me like two days later. Oh right, yeah. Um, yes, I, I guess I'll give my hand in here. And that like I was I've seen Batman Batman Beyond. I have I had the whole series on DVD uh, when this first came out in 1999. At that time, they were running uh, Superman the anime series and the new Batman Adventures where they had the redesigned Batman characters, and they brought in Nightwing and had Tim Drake and brought in Batgirl to the team. So it was a big, like, Bat Family kind of show. And then out of nowhere, the, uh, they just announced that they were doing this where Bruce Wayne's old and a new person's Batman 50 years in the future, or 40 years, when it said back then. They sent red content. Um, so, I mean, I, I remember seeing this as a kid. I actually remember seeing this for the first time when it came on 15 years ago. <laughs> Uh, in 1999, um, and I enjoyed it. I, I I enjoyed the series generally. I like the Batman Beyond universe. I know that um, uh, past correspondent Josh Bertoni, whenever he, he personally never really got into it because he felt that like it was just too divorced from your typical Batman story to kind of get into. But like it's it's fun as his own thing. I, I I really do enjoy it. There's definitely a lot of um differences towards it. But like I think if you're a fan of the animated series, this is actually a very stylish kind of update on that and carries their, their universe uh, continuity through well. Um, and I mean, I don't want to kind of, because we are going to be talking about a lot of the episodes down the line, hopefully. I, we're at least going to be talking about the two, first two-parter tonight. So I, w- I don't want to, you know, throw all my chips out there in terms of the creation of the series and thoughts on how the series evolved. But um, there's a lot to talk about the series. I think this series actually is very interesting. And I, and I like the series generally. I mean, I like other series better, but, like, this one holds a fond uh, spot in my heart. And um, hopefully it will to your listeners and Melinda as well. So without further blabber, we are paused at 0-2, or 0-2, essentially. It's basically the beginning where we see Bugs Bunny about to get that big chomp out of that carrot. And when I count down and say play, we will press play and begin watching Rebirth Part 1 of Batman Beyond. So without further ado, grab your future chips, grab your future food, uh, sit on your future couch, and get ready to plus, press play in three, two, one, play. I've chosen ice cream, by the way. Is it from the future? Uh, it's from 30 seconds in the future. My God. <laughs> <laughs> it is 2014. This is a vignette um, for anybody who's for some reason not seeing this. It will listen to the commentary first. Uh, this is like a sort of mid-between scene. That's about sometime in the future from the Batman anime series, but like 20 years in the past from the usual Batman Beyond continuity. So Bruce is not – this is the last night of Batman. As Bruce Wayne is Batman, and we see why that might be. Well, he still packs a punch. But I'm just – Oh, <laughs> I really love the scene. What's your take on the uh, Batman Beyond costume? Um, it's it's a nice growth and progression, but the thing is, is it really, really reminds me of um, of Nightwing's rebooted costume. 
Oh, like the, the color the, scheme and, mm-hmm. and even just the placement of the symbol. Hmm. Yeah, it is, it is red and black when I'm doing this. Which is what almost makes me view it more as a transitional costume than anything else. It could be. I remember um, in a uh, Scott Snyder Greg Capullo issue of Batman, uh, he showed up, he showed Lucius Fox a prototype for Batman Incorporated's uh, Batman costumes, and this was sort of a, one of them. So it could be seen as a Nightwing stand-in later on. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, he has a heart attack. should be said that that girl there actually is related to uh, one of his uh, friends in the anime series, Veronica Vreeland. <laughs> you know, the Batman universe has a hard time with crowbars in, in their history. Yeah, non-style flashbacks. Ah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty violent. <laughs> One thing I'll say about the series is that, like, this is an incredibly violent and adult series. It's made for kids, but, like, a lot of this is really strong stuff. And we see he's so weak and so infirm that, like, this is the point where he... Betrays everything he stands for. Oops. Yeah, that I was really not expecting him to pull that gun. Yeah, I lo- I love this bit right here. It's very, I think it's very powerful. And Kevin Conroy returns as a uh, older Bruce Wayne and continues to be the best Batman voice ever, even when he's not Batman. <laughs> All the psychics, they all died now. But equally powerful, retiring the costume. Yes. And it's a good reason, too. You know, it's one thing for him to be too old, but, like, to be to be too old to the point where he resorts to using a gun, that kind of one-two punch makes it really... Yeah. Really effective. I, w- I want to know your thoughts on this intro sequence, because I... I really love the music and the visuals, but this is like a totally different beast than anything's come before. Um, <laughs> no, the one thing it kind of brings to mind, and I'm sure this is very purposeful, is um, it, to me it brings to mind imagery from the 80s. Okay. Which is, of course, when you get The Dark Knight Strikes Back, The Dark Knight Returns, like those two comics. Yes. Um, and that, to me, is is what this really evokes. It's very, like, cutting-edge, high-tech kind of stuff. But what they thought cutting-edge and high-tech was going to be in the 80s. <laughs> also, that of... guy looks like Max Headroom. Yeah. <laughs> I believe the, the, the uh, um, original vision for it was sort of like an MTV-style cutting. And, like, the music particularly is very hard rock, very kind of like uh, – like nasty rock and roll, and typically before this in the anime series, they always kind of did this orchestral dawn, da 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 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So using the hard rock, you know, uh, electric guitars, uh, they really they really try to make this as different as possible. And um, I guess your models may vary whether you enjoy how different it is or whether it's just kind of too unrecognizable or too weird to really stand watching. I didn't realize this until much later that, like, those news reporters aren't supposed to actually be real people. They're just, I guess, future news reporters. <laughs> just floating heads. Yes. There's Terry McGinnis, and there's, uh, 
In the future, gangsters will all pat themselves after the Joker. I know that they follow this up in the Batman Beyond comic that recently came out after the New 52. Okay, so... The animated styling, I got, like, it says a lot that I'm very used to digital animation because this is hand-drawn, and it... Yes. It's it's drawn with such care. It, it really shows. Yeah, it looks... I hesitate to say dated, but you can tell this is definitely pre-modern animation. Property damage. Terry McGinnis, what are you doing? So, Terry McGinnis' voice... Um, did you ever see Boy Meets World? Is this Will Friedel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know he went into voice work, and it's so weird that that's... It's Eric Matthews. Right. Oh. The goofy older brother. It's kind of cool, though. He, he, does, a, he does a good job. <laughs> so he's still a high school student at this point. Right. Uh, I believe he's 17 right now. As is all the other supporting characters. It's, a, it's another thing where, like, even when, like, when an anime series had teenage characters like Dick Grayson and Tim Drake, we never really saw them in school. So this is kind of like, if Stella was here, she'd make an obligatory Spider-Man reference where we see his <laughs> school life. It's nasty. See, Terry has a problem with the authority. That's one of those things, again, where, like, Terry's supposed to be kind of like a, a bad boy kind of character. He's his past is that he spent three years in juvenile hall because he has, like, anger issues or something. And Okay. It's one of those things I think that could come off really annoying and really cliched, but they, they managed to not take us off with cliches. Well, but it's become cliche since then. I think when this was put out, that was not necessarily as much of one. Yeah, probably. I mean, most of your teenage heroes were kind of, like, outcasts and nerds and stuff. Yeah, whereas from what I can think of anyway, the only real bad boy was Jason Todd. And we saw what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah, we did. It's funny because this, this cartoon was done in 1999, so, like, you know, digital files are all on CDs back then, <laughs> but as opposed to, like, a... a flash drive? Yes, exactly. I was thinking the word. Uh-oh. That guy is actually voiced by George Decay. By whom, sorry? Uh, George Decay, the uh, flamboyant oh. <laughs> okay. Star Wars or Star yeah. Trek guy. Sulu. Yes. Now he looks really familiar, and I can't figure out if I've seen a character based on him or not. Maybe. Uh, most of these characters are, are really original, um, except for Bruce Wayne. Uh, and like some of these, like that guy right there, who eventually becomes a supervillain, who's actually kind of visually based off Doctor Phosphorus. But uh, a lot of these characters, I mean, they're probably archetypes which are familiar. But um, I pretty, I mean, like as far as I can know, I, I don't think that these characters are actually appearing comics beforehand. Okay. <laughs> He's appropriately slimy. Mm-hmm. 
I really like that character, uh, Derek Powers, because of the actor Sherman Howard plays him really creepy and like really he's he's like kind of a Lex Luthor XB, like this evil businessman, but he plays him really well, I think. He's got that smarmy sound to his voice. Right. Science. He was working on science. <laughs> Dangerous. Because science. Exactly. Did he even punch a hole in the wall? I hope it's not that strong, but maybe. Well, I was going to say, you know, Pretty. then I would be, I would believe he was a bad boy. But well, he's grounded and he left anyway. I mean, I mean, kids who are, get grounded and, like, like flamboyantly leave until their parents are leaving and yell at them is pretty, uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would get in trouble if I did that. I don't know. I guess you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, and the orange guy, orange-haired guy, um, Nelson Nash, he's voiced by Seth Green of... Really? Of Family Guy fame and possibly other things. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie It, lots of things. <laughs> And that guy, I guess I'm just, I'm just doing the uh, the IMDb page here, but that lead Joker guy who just saw, spoke is actually voiced by Bruce Tim. Oh. The fact that he really doesn't like repeating. <laughs> <laughs> that had to hurt. Ooh. I what do you make of the fact that there's a gang of Jokers, like, in the, in the near future in terms of, like, a criminal element or where crime is these days that kind of model themselves after the classic Batman villains? Um, I think it says a lot about um, the negative impact that Batman had on the city. Hmm. That so many people would model themselves after, you know, an extreme villain um, and allow, like, and and take over the city Hmm. and clearly be allowed to do stuff like this. Um, I think it says that he was maybe not as effective as he thought he was. Apparently. But yes, they know he's gone, but clearly they're not worried about him coming back or reappearing anytime soon. Uh, although I suppose that's where the idea that Terry McGinnis is going to end up stepping in comes up. <laughs> well, again, like, um, it's one of those things where, like, you don't see a lot of, like, the, the Batman villains appear, and they're certainly not, you know, carrying on while Batman's gone. So it's sort of a, a push and pull in terms of, like, his effectiveness. Like, you don't see any supervillains, but you do see, like... The, the idea that, like, a gang matters themselves after the Joker is pretty rough. It's like, you know, I don't know, it's like, you know, there's the Hitlers, and there's the Stalins, and there's the Pol Pots. Like, the idea that but the gangs would be doing that much. At the same time, you do, like, in current day and age, you do have... You know, neo-Nazis. You do have them. Right. So, I mean, it says a lot about the... The mentality of the... Bad people's lasting influence as well. That's a good point, actually. This is a nice thing. 
<laughs> well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh-oh, it's old man Wayne. <laughs> I love this line right here. This is awesome. <laughs> That's great. Oh, crap. He just beat you with his cane, son. <laughs> really? Never bring a knife to a cane fight? I guess not. Oh, it's, it's cool seeing, like, uh, the future Batman, even though, he, well, yeah, literally the future Batman, but, like, he's not Batman yet. Him and the original Batman kind of fight without them knowing it. So it's kind of a nice uh, parallel. Yeah. A classic. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't resist. Of course not. Go back to the game. So, what have you guys been doing the last hour? We got beat up by an old rich guy on his lawn. Pretty sure they probably went with a bar fight story. <laughs> most stories of when Batman's in the future, I mean, the most famous one... I think this is actually the most famous like, iteration of Bruce Wayne in the future, but the most famous one before this was obviously Garnet Returns, where he was he was in his 50s. It wasn't this old, but, like, uh, most Batman stories in the future usually have him still being Batman, whether it's Kingdom Come or your random Silver Age what-if story. So this is actually kind of, like, an interesting, realistic – I hesitate to say realistic, but, like, you know, believable parallel that, like, if he did give up but continue to live on, he would end up in this really desiccated <laughs> existence where – He's alone except for uh, Ace the Bat Hound there. Well, because nobody ever really likes to think about it. But, yeah, Alfred dies eventually. Um, see, and this, I think, is as realistic as it can be because we all know that that – oh, really, Bruce? <laughs> in the middle of talking. You rude old man. Um, I, like, obviously, it's much more likely that he would die in the line of fire. Yeah, there's actually a, um, an episode of Justice League where Sacco, where Batman goes into the future, Batman and Green Lantern, and they run into Batman Beyond and Old Man Bruce. And then Batman says to his old his future self, I never thought I'd live this long. <laughs> which is uh, which I think makes a lot of sense with the character. Yeah, well, I mean, that was kind of one of the, the premises of the funeral of Batman during the, the death of the Batman story arc was oh, yeah. he never gives up, he never stops fighting, and he dies. And that's just the end of it. Oh, you're talking about um, uh, whatever happened to Keep Crusader? Yeah. I love that story. I know, me too. Dun, dun, dun. And I also like the, uh, I, I've always like admired the bit of the mythology that to get into the Batcave is the grandfather clock. In the comics, I mean, honestly, like in the uh, 60s show was the poles behind the Shakespeare bust, but what are you going to do? Well, and... The grandfather clock, I think, he, from what I understand, has always set the time to the time his parents died. Yes, he has. Um, Ouch. <laughs> he's, he's not happy. <laughs> Get a mace. You know, honestly, like, he's very lucky that, that, that Terry's like, you know, oh, whatever with this guy. Instead of saying, dude, I found out who Batman was. 
and I'm going to tell everybody. This is very evocative of uh, Spider-Man kind of coming home to find your parental figure murdered. I should also mention, because you mentioned Return of the Joker before, that the graffiti on the wall, uh, that comes up later in Return of the Joker, to much more of a horrifying effect. They surprised your father. You've maybe seen this once or twice? (laughs) In the past 15 years. (laughs) It's pretty strong stuff, I think. I remember when I first saw this, this really confused me because I missed that shot of uh, the family over the tombstone. There's a shot coming up with um, Terry's brother, and he's just a big-headed version of Terry. And I thought, wait a minute, who is that? Is that him? What's what's going on? Like, did Terry somehow shrink? Or did they design him in the middle of the show? It was a reboot. I don't know. (laughs) In the middle of the show. (laughs) We're relaunching the series. Yeah, it didn't test well with audiences. Before you even became Batman. That's very parental of her. Your friend, Dana, called, you know, that girl you've been going out with. I should have named his little brother, Corey. That was fun. His little brother's name is Corey? No, but it showed up. Like, his brother's name is Matt, but like, just for fans of Boy's World. If, oh, for symmetry? If there are any left. No, parents who do that are just mean. What's it like seeing... Because he's not, he's not Batman spoilers throughout this entire first part. And you've seen Batman uh, beyond Return of the Joker, so it's really like, like strong difference between... Him now and him then, where he is like the superhero, because he's kind of like this like, teenager kid right here. Um. Well, again, I, I saw Return of the Joker once, and it was a couple of years ago. Uh, but from what I remember, he was a little more lighthearted. Right. Like, he almost he almost reminded me of Dick Grayson, not in that he was super jokey, but he was nowhere near as intense as. Obviously, as Bruce is as Batman, um. yeah, that's actually an interesting thing because Terry McGinnis as a character. I mean, a lot of people like him, but like, I don't know. I've never actually thought about it before. But most people who watch Batman Beyond, uh, I say I, I actually don't really don't know, but like a lot of people that I know watched it when we were kids when he first came out. Like I was ten when the show came out, um, and you know he's. You know, he's still in high school, but he's also, like, because he has that kind of rough edge, he has a bit of a nastier side to him than Dick Grayson would. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of, like, what differentiates himself from the other, like, let's say, Robins. And, um, I don't know. That's, that's, I mean, I think it's a good character, but in terms of, like, saying how would you describe Terry McGinnis, uh, I guess, like, well, he, he um, he's not angsty, but he's aggressive. Um... A little bit, but again, I, I it's been so long since I watched it. Right. He it it was something that it was just something I remember thinking that he he kind of lightened Bruce up a little. Mm-hmm. And that's something that that I definitively associate with Dick Grayson. Right, exactly. As you should. Well, rightfully so. Okay. 
I do think that, like, in this first, <laughs> this first part, he's definitely more believable. I think he's a very believable character. It's like how he kind of reacts to adult figures and stuff. I like this line. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ace Benhound. Dun, dun, dun. The Haunted Mansion, where, where everyone ended up dead. And that's where I have it ending. Yes, that is the end of part one. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess we kind of talked about it. it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward, you know. Somebody killed his dad. Uh, the company his dad worked for is into some bad science. Terry begins to find out that Bruce Wayne's Batman, and end of part one essentially. So it doesn't really set up the premise as much as it is the the future setting, but um, um. I'm I'm good to go. Any final thoughts on the first part before we end this commentary and um and then record the one for part two? Um, well I just want to say I noticed the main title design was done by Darwin Cook. Um, yes it was. He did New Frontier, did he not? Yes. And Kingdom Come? Um uh, he did do, no no King, Kingdom Come was done by Alex Ross. Uh, oh, okay, there we go. He did do New Frontier, that was all on his own. He did Batman Ego, which was a, a story we just covered in TPU Collected, which came out recently. And um, but but yes, before he did either of those things, he worked on Batman Beyond as a storyboarder. Oh well, the more you know. Would you? Believe? Um, yeah, this was this was a really great introduction to it, um, to the story. The one problem I maybe have is that again, this was probably not as much of a cliche, even though yeah, it kind of is um, back then. But the whole oh, my dad was murdered, my parents are dead, <laughs> they were killed because of the awful secret that they knew. So it, it's just one of those things where I kind of, like, especially, probably especially for me because um, with, obviously, The Amazing Spider-Man that just came out, um, that was a big plot point, or is potentially a big plot point, I don't know. We'll see if they go with that. But I, I, I get you. Yeah, it's it's this is um this is over fifteen years old, and I think that like uh, I think that like it's a it's a tried and tested kind of like um story to tell. I guess it is, it is, to me it doesn't really feel cliched, but it isn't all that original either. But um, I think it's probably what it was. I think that like part one doesn't have as much. It introduces you to the character of Terry McGinnis. It's kind of set up, but it kind of I feel like it kind of actually rushes to the end. And part two shows a lot more action and a lot more um. Uh, of what it, what will you what you will see more of the series, and then like the other episodes kind of reestablish it more and more. Um, but that's enough from us. Thank you for listening to this uh, uh, commentary for Rebirth Part One for Batman Beyond. We will see you for Part Two, hopefully, if you care to listen to us again. So for the Batman Universe commentaries, this is Donovan, and this is Melinda, and uh, we will see you guys in Part Two. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.